The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, hosted by Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Dr. Relly Nadler. I'm Allison Childs with the Center for Creative Leadership. Kathy and Relly have helped thousands of people like you become better performers, managers, and leaders with their unique approaches to coaching. Dr. Relly Nadler is a master level certified executive coach with the International Coaching Federation. A psychologist, corporate leadership, and team trainer, Dr. Nadler brings his expertise and emotional intelligence to all his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. Dr. Nadler's Leaders Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. For more information and free tools by Relly Nadler, go to www.truenorthleadership.com. New York Times bestselling author Kathy Greenberg wins hearts and minds around the world with her internationally acclaimed books on the new science of happiness, including what happy companies know and what happy working mothers know. Kathy is available for a variety of consulting and coaching programs where you can learn to apply her unique happiness equals profit business formula. For more on Kathy's coaching, tools, consulting, and keynote speaking, go to www.h2cleadership.com or www.whathappyworkingmothersknow.com for free tips and downloads. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Rowan Adler. We have my esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, who will join us in just a moment. And between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. We always have great guests on our show and try to pick their brain about some things that can help you. And today we have Kate Barado, who is the author of Putting Diversity to Work. Let me tell you a little bit about Kate. She specializes in global skill building, leadership development, intercultural transitions, and diverse teams. She provides consulting, training, and coaching to help individuals be effective global leaders and organizations to help navigate complex cultural challenges like we all see in our global economy now. Her training experience spans more than a dozen countries and has involved working with hundreds of individuals from over 35 nations. And let me tell you about Kathy. She'll join us. Kathy um, is the co-founder of the renowned executive consultancy H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, and an author of multiple bestsellers and a much-demand conference speaker. And Kathy, welcome to the call. Thanks, Relly. Today is going to be a very exciting conversation uh, for me personally, uh, as well as for many of our listeners who have learned that diversity is so important, diversity of style, 
diversity of individuals in our organization, but we haven't really had the opportunity to take advantage of that. And Kate Berardo, who is an expert and author of Putting Diversity to Work, is going to talk to us today more about that. But before we get on to meet Kate, let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Ellie Nadler, if you don't know him. Uh, Dr. Ellie Nadler is not only a master-level certified executive coach, he is a psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer. And Dr. Nadler brings his expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and training. And Dr. Nadler's Leader's Playbook provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers. And stay tuned, because later this year, Leader's Playbook is coming out in a whole new version. As, um, as you all know, Relly and I love to bring all of you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and help you with evidence-based best practices to help you be your best. We also know from our own experience that leaders are the heartbeat of an organization, but most leaders can, well, honestly, they can underperform, and they underperform because they underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and as a result, When all of us are surrounded by leaders who are underperforming, we can underperform as well. So it's important that all of us take a leadership role. Now, that's not easy, but in each and every one of our shows, we will bring you a tool, a tip, a strategy, a piece of of news, opinions, and views of our wonderful uh, guests to help you learn something about how to develop more leaders in your organization, what happy companies know about performance, and, of course, emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies to be your best. We love to bring you the best and the most exciting news on brain and neuroscience contributions to top performance, as well as some things you might not know about gender and generation differences, work-life practices, and strategies to be your best. Um, Before we move further into the show. Relly, would you please share some of the science behind leadership and why we feel it's so important? Sure. Yeah, thanks, Kathy. Well, leadership these days uh, is a science. There's a lot of research that backs up, you know, what's the difference of someone who's in the top 10% and, what's, and someone who is average or uh, meets expectations. Some organizations that exceed expectations and meets expectations. So a lot of our show is is to help you move into that top 10%. It is a tipping point of sorts, meaning that if you can get someone in the top 10%, they uh, are going to be add twice as much revenue to the organization as managers in the 11th through the 89th percentile. And the reason uh, that is becoming a top leader, you have so much influence, like Kathy said, over the team, as much as 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team. And that's why we like to say that... Um, the leader is the emotional thermostat for the team. Emotions are contagious, and the person who is the most contagious is the leader. And to get in that top 10% is typically a lot of these emotional intelligence skills, a lot of the Kathy's expertise and my expertise would fall under that. That's what's going to allow you to get into the top 10% when compared to how smart you are, your IQ, or uh, technical expertise. Kathy and I are both uh, certified coaches, and when you bring coaching into an organization, you know, that can really enhance the uh, profitability of the organization. If you have training alone, that's about a 22% increase in productivity, but if you add coaching, it's about an 
boost in productivity. And hopefully on this uh, show and all the shows, you can get some of these small things to do, micro-initiatives that can create a macro-impact. If you're interested in more information for Kathy and get her to come to your organization, her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching services. If you're interested in me, Dr. Ellie Nadler, my website is www.truenorthleadership for some uh, emotional intelligence books. There's some free EI assessments, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. And so, Kathy, maybe you can tell us a, a little bit more about Kate and how you uh, connected with her and any other introductions. Well, it's um, amazing how the universe puts like-minded individuals together in uh, some extraordinary places. And Kate and I were both asked to be speakers at a recent conference for a large company, a global company, and uh, we were talking about the uh, importance of different diversity values at this particular program. Uh, Kate was one of the very intriguing speakers. I had actually looked up her book, Putting Diversity to Work, prior to arriving, and I was fascinated by what Kate does. Kate Ferrardo specializes in global skill building, leadership development, intercultural transitions, and diverse teams. She provides consulting, training, and coaching to help all individuals be effective and global leaders, and she helps organizations navigate these complex cultural challenges. Her training experience spans more than a dozen countries, and she's been involved working with hundreds of individuals from over 35 nations. Two of her latest consulting projects have been leading a multi-country, multi-site strategic training initiative to launch a global resourcing project and enabling international high-potential teams to develop effective working practices. Her work has been the subject of media worldwide, including CNN's Business Traveler and the Dubai Daily Gulf News. Aside from consulting and training, Kate also teaches university international business management courses, and she develops educational curriculum. Kate has sat on multiple advisory boards, and she's involved in research and development of effective training methods and tools. She's a frequent writer, a workshop presenter, and a speaker at international conferences. Welcome, Kate. We're so happy to have you. Thank you, Kathy. It's nice to be here. Well, Kate, we want to start off, we always uh, like to ask folks, because <clears throat> we talk about leadership, who have been some of the people who have influenced you the most, some of the maybe the key leaders in, in your life that have maybe shaped who you are today? Mm-hmm. You know, I was, when I was thinking about this, really, and I, um, I actually go back to maybe not a traditional leader. I go back to my family to answer that question. Um, my mother was and is a uh, British citizen, and she moved over to the U.S. after having met my father, who was a second-generation Italian um, immigrant to the U.S., and he did a lot of international business. And growing up in a family where you have two individuals from very different upbringings um, living together and working through their differences, you, you get exposed to a lot of the interesting dynamics as to how people communicate effectively, what sometimes challenges them. And so when I, when I really try and pinpoint the origins of my interest in doing the work that I do, it really did stem from my family. And some of my, you know, my father lived in South Africa during the apartheid, and I just grew up with stories, and I was fortunate to get to travel at a young age and see different parts of the world. 
And that really, I would say, triggered my interest in helping other people to expand their horizons and learn how to be effective in different environments. That is a fascinating story, Kate. And um, I guess we're going to build on that as we discuss some of the interesting areas of diversity that you have been working on. Can you um, kind of give us a general background on how you came to put this book together with your co-authors? I can, yes. I, um, you know, interestingly, the, the work I started in um, was uh, in the field of marketing, and I was charged with, a, was working for a small skincare company, and I was charged with launching our skincare product to the Spanish-speaking market in the U.S., And it was a wonderful uh, project and opportunity. Um, And at the same time, at the end of the day, I realized, I sort of had an epiphany one day where I said, you know, if I'm really successful at this, all it means is more Spanish-speaking women, women with our target audience, will be wearing skincare products. And is that the impact I want to have on on the world? And, And I realized that, in fact, it wasn't. And that most of my interest was really in finding ways to help people communicate, connect, um, and bridge differences. I had for a long time been in touch with the two other co-authors of this book, Putting Diversity to Work, Simma Lieberman and uh, George Simons. And we were often putting our heads together and said, let's, let's, let's take the ideas that we have and let's put them down on paper so that we can, in a formalized way, help other people. And Kate, I'm going to ask you to pause on that idea. We're going to take a very short break, but we'll be right back. So don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Today we're talking with Kate Peraldo. She is one of the co-authors of Putting Diversity to Work. And Kate, uh, before the break, you were talking about how you came to to do this work. Um, maybe you can kind of follow up and fill in, you know, any of the, any of the uh, the blanks. You know. Sure. Well, I, I think I was saying before the break, I had started off in a different field and um, discovered that my interest and passion really lied here. And I, you know, increasingly, I think in today's day and age. Um, you know, Raleigh, you you were talking as we started off about being a, a leader in the top ten percent, and I actually do strongly believe that having the capacity to work in global environments and mm-hmm. to build really effective multicultural teams is an essential requirement of those top ten leaders and something that differentiates them. So, me getting involved in this field was because I just saw so much both importance and need for work of this type. Now, when you say you've seen plenty of need for work of this type, my my experience is um, as a, a managing partner with uh, two big consulting firms. One, of course, is um, Accenture, mm-hmm. and uh, we we thrived on diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, one of the subsets of how to successfully lead a diverse workforce in your book says. Use the values of diversity to thrive in the global marketplace. Maybe you can expand on that a little bit because I'm not sure if people really naturally understand why diversity is so important. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear, Kathy, about your experience with Accenture. I mean, what, there's actually a lot of good research that shows that diverse teams can outperform more homogeneous teams, but they're not guaranteed to. And, in fact, a number of them actually underperform because the diversity that they have is either not recognized, it's in some way, shape, or form ignored, or uh, or it's just simply not leveraged. And when you are able to take into account the different values, the different uh, approaches, mindsets, uh, worldviews of the of the team members that you have at, on, in a, in, on a project or in an organization, that really enables you to start... Uh, being able to innovate, to think outside of the box, to uh, effectively perform more because your entry points into the problem that you're tackling or the project that you're working on is so much more robust and rich. But it's not easy. It's not that just by putting everybody who's diverse together that suddenly that, hap- that will happen. You do need to actively map and take into consideration what are the differences that are affecting us and then how can we actually leverage those so that we're more successful. You know, Kate, and, and just hearing you uh, talk about all the diverse cultures and just working with a lot of different groups and teams, you know, w- one of the things I, I see, and I'm sure you see, and Kathy does, you bring these people together, and if they're not really well facilitated or you don't have like a well, real well-oiled uh, leader, the IQ of the team goes down because of so many of the complexities, the language, and all that. And I would think that's even enhanced even more with all the cross-cultural issues and stuff that come up. Absolutely, absolutely. And you take into consideration the current environment that we're in where for a lot of organizations, money is tight, time is always tight, 
and increasingly the individuals that we're working with are far further and further away from us, so the distance becomes greater. And you can really get a sense for the complexity of the environments that people are working on and therefore the need to, yeah, to actively manage it. And yet, ironically, oftentimes people don't. They just sort of come, come together and they do a little bit of contracting as a team, but they really don't pause to set themselves up for success. Mm-hmm. And it's fascinating to me that when we look at how you have laid out this process in your book, um, it's, a, it's a pretty, I don't want to say simple, but it's a pretty effective action plan. Can you talk a little bit about how you developed some of the content for the book and, mm-hmm. um, and how you have used this content effectively? Sure. So the putting diversity to work is, is actually designed to be what we call a self-study text. So it's something that a manager can pick up and guide themselves through, uh, recognizing that not all organizations have the resources for large-scale initiatives of this sort. And so the book is designed and laid out to help a manager first to, uh, sort of make an assessment of where is my organization in terms of its ability to appreciate and leverage the diversity that we have. Are we actively recruiting? Are we able to retain the diversity that we have? And then are we actually able to use that to drive results within the business? Um, so the very first section of the book is really focused on that, is really getting clear on where, it, where are we as an organization and what are we doing now and what more do we want to be doing to embrace diversity. And then very quickly we go into the individual leader and we talk about what is it that you need to develop in yourself to embrace diversity even more. Now, we all have strengths. We all have areas that we can develop. develop. So it's designed to be a spot check for leaders to say, look, if I want to commit to changing my organization, a lot of it starts with me and how I lead and what, what messages I convey to my team around diversity and my own ability to walk the talk that I want to start talking um, and so there's a lot of emphasis on this book, both at an organizational level and then also at an individual level. And we go into certain competencies like leading and communicating and then go into aspects of once you've developed the mindset, once you've developed some of the skills at an individual level, what can you do at an organizational level? And we talk about aspects like recruiting for diversity, retaining that diverse talent, um, managing people in conflict. And so it's a, um, I would say it has a lot of different touch points to help managers at different, at different points in their development of, of managing diversity within their organization to be more successful. Well, it sounds like it's a, uh, uh, a great step-by-step process then for leaders. Is, is the book actually designed for, for business leaders, or is it designed kind of more of the general public? It is designed uh, more for uh, business leaders or managers. I mean, it would be just as applicable to a nonprofit as it would to a for-profit organization. It's very much targeted to managers. It's part of the, the CRISP Learning Series, which is designed to be sort of short, effective, um, practical training books for individuals to support their own learning and development. And, Kate, let me just tell our listeners that if they go to Putting Diversity to Work, if they go and they Google that, it will go to the page in Amazon, <clears throat> pardon me, that carries the book. Mm-hmm. And um, it literally gives you a really nice opportunity to go through the book. 
to actually look at the book online. Right, the look inside feature. That, exactly. Yeah, so, it's a, so it's, it's a really a feature. Yeah, yeah, it's really a nice um, opportunity for our audience to learn without uh, having to make an investment. And of course, if they want the book, the book is incredibly low priced and it's very valuable um, in terms of a workbook. It and it has a step by step program in it for helping anybody who wants to understand why diversity is important. It talks about recruiting and the importance of increasing creativity and um, globalization. You know, why globalization is important, even in a domestic or national company. I know from my own experience, many companies that are domestic have offshore companies that are doing their customer support. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that sometimes when we're interacting with these folks, uh, we could get a better and effective result if we understood how we were being perceived. So even the layperson who might not be uh, managing um, a big company or a workforce would enjoy understanding more about improving the bottom line with mm-hmm. just some small tips and tools. So after that long dissertation, what, what unique challenges do you in your heart really believe leaders are facing today leveraging greater diversity? Because we, we talk about it, but I'm not sure if people really work on it. Yeah, it's, um, it's a really good question. I, I, um, I think there's different components to the challenges that leaders face. I really do believe that, as I was sort of mentioning earlier, the resource constraints, time, money, and distance that really add a layer of complexity and challenge leaders to be more resourceful when they have fewer resources to work with. It creates a certain amount of pressure. Um, and I, and I, um, I think that's incredibly important to remind ourselves of in terms of what is the ask that we're making of leaders, given that some are just trying to get by on a day-to-day basis in a pretty tough environment right now. Um, and, and so it's, that it really does require uh, uh, an incredible commitment in the first place, which really starts with understanding this is valuable to me, this is valuable to my organization, and it is a part and parcel of our success to really embrace and know how to leverage diversity. And once, once I think leaders have that mindset, the challenges that they, I see facing come down to um, different things. I think in an individual level for leaders, one, you know, when I work with leaders, one of the things I see them struggle with is recognizing the importance of being able to style shift, change the way that you lead depending on the groups that you're leading and depending on who you're working with at a certain moment. And so there's really a need for them to be flexible and adaptable, and yet critically important to leadership is, the, is being authentic and true to who you are and consistent. And so I, I watched a lot of leaders um, trying to struggle to find that balance, which is not always clear and which takes, I would say, a little bit of trial and error to say this is who I am and I know that and I'm going to do this at a consistent level, but I will also shift the way I communicate and be more direct in these situations and more indirect in these because I realize that that's how I can speak in a way that will really help the people I'm speaking to understand and and buy into sort of my message. The other thing I would say is that just the challenge I see leaders facing is 
So in, in, the, in the work that I do, we often bring in a lot of profiles that say there are different cultural differences that, uh, that matter in business. And so you may have on one team people who are direct and indirect, who, who have an appreciation for hierarchy, who prefer flat. And so a real challenge to leaders is trying to figure out how do I effectively manage all of these different styles in one room or on one conference call? And Kate, I'm going to ask you to pause for one second. We'll be right back to talk more about all of these important and I want to say kind of challenging issues on diverse um, workforces. So don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Leadership Development News. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Total career success. What does it mean to you? World Talk Radio presents a radio program dedicated to help you achieve your career goal. Even in times of economic uncertainty, you can achieve your financial goals. Whether you're a college grad, new in the working environment, or a top-level executive, you will benefit from the practical and proven advice on job search and career advancement. Join Ken and Cheryl Dawson every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for Total Career Success on World Talk Radio. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking about diversity and how do you put diversity to work, the title of Kate Barato's uh, book that she's a co-author with. And Kate before the break, you're talking about uh, style shift, and I actually haven't heard those two words together, which I like. They both start with S, nice alliteration. 
style shift. Um, but let's say you have multiple cultures in the room, and you have you know someone uh, that's Mexican, you have uh, Japanese, you have Indian. Um, how is how is the leader to learn about each of those? Let's say three of those different cultures and how they want to be addressed so they could do the style shift, you know, in the moment with them? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's a, it's a great question. And um, you know, one of the things I often mention, there's, depending on your, your source, there's either 194 or 195 countries in this world. And then when you really start to honor all the um, subcultures that are present in a country, it can very quickly become overwhelming and seem like a daunting task to really build the knowledge that you might need to work with people from different environments. The good news is, is there are some dimensions, some really interesting research that I was sort of alluding to before the break um, that says these are the, the, the differences that really make the, the biggest difference in business and where we see um, individuals, generally speaking, from different cultures lining up differently. So, for example, communication styles. We do have some cultures that are pretty direct in their uh, form of communication. They believe in really just saying what you mean, meaning what you say, um, believe that you respect a person by being very um, honest and not doing any filtering. And we have other cultures, so you mentioned Japan, where there's much more of an emphasis on being um, attuned to the other person and to their needs. And as a result, we don't frame our communication as directly. We frame it more indirectly because that uh, first we trust that the other person will be able to understand our implied message, and we're trying to always save face and protect the relationship. So, yes, it is an absolutely complex environment to be going in and managing a team where you have those different style preferences. What can you do? Um, first off is I would say it, it is very helpful to, to pay attention to those. I would say there's probably six different cultural dimensions that really make the biggest difference. And if you know those and know where some of the participants in your um, group lie on those dimensions, that will give you a good indicator of the different styles. So the other thing that I typically recommend to leaders is that they really do spend a few minutes when they're starting up as a team in the forming stages to really build a profile of how is it that all of us like to work and how is it that that may be similar and different. And based off of that, how are we going to work together? Now, I realize, really that probably doesn't totally answer your question about the leader, him or herself, mm-hmm. and what do they do. And, you know, one of the things I say when I'm working with individuals is this isn't about you becoming Mexican when you're working with someone from Mexico and then you becoming Japanese when you are engaging with someone from Japan. It's more about you, first off, realizing your own style, realizing the impact it may have on people from different cultural environments and being extremely uh, cued in to the nuances of how you're engaging with someone at that minute at, at every moment and how that may be impacting them positively or negatively and then being able to adjust accordingly. So that's very much the, I would say, the emotional intelligence coming into play here. Now, when you talk about diversity initiatives, mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you prepare an organization to really think about itself differently? So, for example, what are the most important things to keep in mind when, when one is preparing to roll out a diversity initiative across an organization? You know, one of the, the very first questions I ask is why 
is it that this organization wants to roll this out? So um, <clears throat> the motivations to do so are varied and complex. And um, but in, in, in my opinion, I think the critical to, to have a, a global uh, initiative be rolled out effectively it has to very much be tied to the business strategy and the business objectives. Why are we doing this? Because we recognize that to fully leverage our global talent pool, we need to ready our environment, we need to ready our organization, and we need to further develop our people so that we can successfully leverage the talent that is out there. When when um, organizations don't have that direct tie. The concern I have is that these initiatives become what I would call fringe initiatives and that they're nice to have, but they aren't directly tied to the business and therefore they don't carry the same importance and atten- attention within the organization. So connecting it to the business uh, objectives at the front end I think is critically important. And then the other is to really identify where where is the organization now? And before we design any kind of intervention or initiative, we really do a lot of uh, what we call intake to really understand what's going on with the organization because what the office in Amsterdam may need may be very different than what the the office in Cairo needs um, or the office in um, Toulouse needs. So it's it's very, um, I think, important to have those two components almost to bookend them. One is really where, what are we, where are we trying to go and then where are we now and what are the needs in different parts of the organization. As you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the steps that are available in the book. And you use the, uh, you know, kind of the, the flagship steps of a, a, for, a little bit of a force field analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, assess, analyze, and act. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about those steps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there, it's um, it's it is very much connected to what I just talked about. Is really going in and sort of trying to uh, assess what's happening in the organization, analyze what are the underpinnings. Sometimes we discover that uh, national culture is uh, the main issue, or sometimes there's a, an organization may be. Um, or a team in particular, for example, may be challenged with different personalities. So we don't make the assumption when we go in that we actually have a good sense of what is causing, say, the challenge if the team is facing a challenge um, in, in that situation before we act. So very important in this type of work not to jump into the action because oftentimes then we may be solving for the wrong problem or if it's an initiative to grow the organization, we may be growing them in a way that's not completely tied to where they're going as an organization. So that's, I think, the, the three main components behind the, um, the uh, assess and analyze and act. Now, some of the steps that are in there are looking at your stakeholders. Mm-hmm. And you name the stakeholders. You call them champions, collaborators, conformers, uh, uninformed, and then two classes of resistors, passive and active. Um, any of those people that you can think of that are key to the success of making sure a diversity initiative really gets underway? Um, yes, I would probably say all of them <laughs> uh, for different reasons. Um, and and the, the 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 process or the task that you would have in engaging with each of those will be different. So people who are sort of in the resisting category are really important to connect with and understand why is it that they may be resisting, and how can you um, ensure that they're not putting up invisible and yet 
impactful barriers to a successful initiative. Uh, a champion, you um, also want to be able to leverage their visibility within the organization to help them make sure that the messages that are really important to communicate are being communicated and that their their position within the organization is being used to help move the cause forward, essentially. So, um, okay, this is great to uh, hear this because it sounds like you've got a wealth of experience in, in being in, in organizations. And maybe um, you can share some examples about how what has been successful, you know, how others have implemented the program. And uh, is this something that you would have the whole organization want to buy into, or can you kind of start with, like, a small team or department? Yes. Yeah, you know, I know one of the things, really, that you and Kathy talk about is that micro-initiatives can have a, a major impact, and I'm very much a believer in that as well. So, yes, I mean, I have certainly seen large-scale initiatives that are wonderfully um, supported within an organization that involves a, a mix of coaching, training, online self-study, or, or, um, integration with a learning management system, a real, I would say, broad and comprehensive initiative, and that's fantastic. I've also seen great results. I remember going into one organization where they just had a team that was at a, just at a level of basic um, what I would call brownout efficiency. It wasn't that they weren't succeeding. It just wasn't that they were able to reach their potential. And within two days, we were able to really uncover, just with that team and a two-day session, really what was at root of it and help them to devise ways to become more effective, and it really unstuck them. So the work we do can be as small as working with one individual in a coaching setting to working with a team to rolling out an entire initiative to generate a substantial change within the organization. So all are possible and, sorry, plausible and all, all serve different functions, but we can have impact, I think, at various different levels. You know what, Kate, I think what we're going to do is in, in um, anticipation of talking more about some of the concrete steps to making a diversity initiative work is we're going to go to a break mm-hmm. and that'll give you some time to think about some of the most important things you want to share with our audience and then we'll be right back so don't go away you're listening to leadership development news Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately 
you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of, uh, of Top Performance. Today we're talking with Kate Barado, one of the co-authors of Putting Diversity to Work. She's an expert on um, diversity issues. And one of the things that we talked about a little earlier, Kate, that I was interested in just following up on as far as kind of reading people, which is one of the keys of a, of a star performer that are really able to read others, is you mentioned there's about six dimensions uh, on different cultures, and one was communication, direct or indirect. Maybe you could highlight, you know, some of the other dimensions. Then we'll sure we'll move on. Well, I should probably clarify to you, really, that there are, um, I would say, over thirty different dimensions that research has shown are you know vary across cultures. I tend to, for sake of um, not getting dimension fatigue, try and <laughs> hone in on what I think are the, the six that sure. are most important. I mean, come from different. Sources. So communication style is absolutely one of them. Um, another one that I really see impacting businesses um, and individuals within business is attitude toward time. 
So we have some uh, cultures that really see time as something that is linear, therefore regimented, and that we really try and seek to control and to also make the most of. So, well, I mean, here in the U.S., for example, we have books like The Seven-Minute Manager. We have uh, this, the popularity of a whole lot of tools like our PDAs that help us to maximize time and are really focused on going through and sort of maximizing time and time is money here in the U.S. What's interesting is that in other cultures um, and even in some subcultures within the U.S., time is seen as something that's much more fluid that you negotiate between people and um, that doesn't follow a linear order. So if I come from uh, what would be a polychronic, that's the official term, but that really references I see time as being multi-pronged and um, fluid, then I may not be watching the clock as much. I am looking at negotiating uh, that time with people, and I may very well be doing multiple things at multiple times rather than doing things in sort of a linear fashion. So you can imagine how this might impact the workplace, everything from uh, how regimented people follow an agenda to what time that meeting actually starts and people's attitude towards time. One of my colleagues uh, from India, he made me laugh. He said, you know, if I came to the U.S., I would say that you're, you're – um, you know, everyone here seems to be ruled by a god that lives on your wrist, which is the watch. <laughs> so we have very different notions towards time that can create some, some challenges. Another key dimension that really impacts trust building, we know the importance of trust and um, being followed as a leader, and we have very different approaches as cultures in terms of how do we build trust. And in, in a lot of cultures, there's much more of an emphasis on the task. In other words, let's get down to work. I want to see that you can do what it is that you say you can do, and through working side-by-side, we'll develop the trust that we need to work on an ongoing basis. This is very different than in other cultures where there's much more of an emphasis on relationship building, and I need to know who you are, often who you know, and really get a sense of who you are as a leader and as an individual to want to be able to do work together. So we see challenges that surface when, for example, someone from a task-oriented culture brings in a contract to initiate work, but someone from that relationship-oriented culture doesn't feel it's much too early to be bringing in the fixed nature of the working relationship, and so the the potential to do business dissipates. Um, what am I up to now? Is anyone keeping track? Yep. <laughs> yep, you got three. Three. Should I keep going, <laughs> give you a couple more? Sure. Yeah, All right, good. so... Another one that we see surface a lot in the business uh, workplace is attitude toward hierarchy. So um, in a lot of cultures, we uh, there's a, an emphasis on playing down status differences, and we prefer societies that are more egalitarian and really don't emphasize as much natural types of status differences, say, like something like age or position within a company. Those types of cultures, the U.S. is generally speaking more egalitarian. We go down to first-name basis pretty quickly. We, When we go into a meeting, everybody can speak up rather than just the uh, leader of that team. And that's very different than in a lot of other cultures where we believe it's very important to pay attention to status, the position that that person holds in the organization, how long that they've been there, um, different aspects that as a result, translate into everything from how we arrange who sits where and um, who speaks up in a meeting and when you have permission to act versus when you need to go seek permission to complete a task. 
And so you can imagine that, that um, you can see a lot of challenges happening within teams where people have different notions of what a, how much power a leader should have and how much he or she should, um, freedom he should give to his team to use their expertise and their knowledge to succeed. Um, another one that we see surfacing is around how attitude towards conflict so we have some cultures, and this, we do see a correlation for with communication style. A lot of direct communication cultures also have an attitude towards conflict, of that it's healthy to just put conflict out there and to discuss it. And in fact, if we put and think about the relationships that we have with people that are strongest, it's usually because we've gone through a good conflict together and kind of hashed it out. Well, that's very different than in other cultures. Japan, I know we've mentioned, I'll reference that again. They have a concept in Japan of law, which is harmony, which says when I go into a conversation with you, conflict has the potential to put a huge divide between us and ruin the relationship. So I'm not going to be as comfortable surfacing conflicts that we have. And in fact, my, my natural instinct is to want to preserve that law, that harmony. And so I'm going to focus on our points of commonality. Um, so you can imagine in terms of negotiation styles in business how that would surface in terms of very different uh, different approaches to how you work and how very quickly if somebody has a different style to you, if you're not reading that and recognizing this as a style difference, you might <clears throat> first off react more negatively to that person's style and or may not respond appropriately. Um, where am I at now? Five? Five. So you got one more. All right. So I'll do another one um, because I, work, I do work very frequently with a tool called uh, GlobeSmart. In fact, when Kathy and I were working together um, at the conference that she mentioned, I was working with this tool. And, the, and this, one of the dimensions that it has is um, <clears throat> attitude towards risk versus restraint. So we do have some cultures that are very risk-oriented that pride themselves on innovation and like to be very fast-paced, don't like too much process and structure because there's a real appreciation for taking of risk. And you can, for example, look at the U.S. and you see that that gets reinforced. And it's part and parcel of our history when you think about how the U.S. was founded. There was a lot of risk-taking by um, the individuals that were involved in the founding of our nation. A lot of the immigrant populations that have come since have been very risk-oriented. And we're known in the U.S. for having a strong innovative uh, attitude. We are a country of beta versions. We release things, and then we get them right. You know, So this is a little bit different than, say, um, in a more restraint-oriented culture, which is much more focused on <clears throat> really thoroughly um, and fastidiously looking at a situation, analyzing what's been going on, being, making sure you've got all the data points before you make a decision so that you know that the decisions that you're making are the right ones. So it's making sure you've got figured out the right course of actions before you start taking them versus taking actions and then course correcting. Um, so that's another one that we see uh, making a pretty significant difference in business. Um, final one, and I really, so as I say, there's so many different ones, but you, I, I, hopefully you can see these mm -hmm. differences really do surface in different ways, and we can choose different dimensions. Another one that I think is really interesting has to do with uh, attitudes towards fate, for example. And we okay. have some cultures that say uh, we are in charge of our own futures and we are in control of what happens around us, and therefore individual responsibility is at a pretty high level versus uh, other 
cultures that have where the, the locust of control lies outside you, and they say, you know, there's really a lot of factors that are outside of my control in a situation. And therefore, when I look at taking initiative, when I look at long-term planning, I'm not assuming I have the ability to control most of those dynamics, and I have an appreciation for influencing factors that lie outside me, that lie outside even my organization. Amazing. It sounds so easy when you speak it the way you do, and it seems so straightforward, but we know these things are not, in fact, at all, and... Um, I want to make sure that all the leaders that are listening, all the people who are trying to understand, can see the complexities of dealing with multiples of these. Right. And in every, it's a good point, Kathy, because in every situation, all of these factors may be influencing it. And just because an individual comes from a certain culture, that gives us no guarantee that they necessarily are going to align with what we might see, typically speaking, from that culture. So um, we really do have to hold with a pretty strong sense of the complexity of a situation and also be okay with the inherent ambiguity and uncertainty because you may never know for certain what's happening in a situation. So this is great, uh, Kate. These are really, uh, you're very well versed in it and made made it very interesting. So maybe, so is there one key success factor that that someone should be aware of in applying your concepts? Because we're getting down to the last minute. So if there's one kind of key takeaway that you want people to think about? You know, I would say this. I think learning to lead at a global level is a journey. It's ongoing. It will have certain setbacks. I've certainly had my successes and failures as, as an individual going through different cultural environments. Um, and I think the best thing you can do for yourself is make yourself a lifelong learner and continue to um, pay attention to you and your style because knowing how to engage across culture starts with knowing who you are and how you typically work. And I just want to add that one of the ways that leaders can certainly learn more about putting diversity to work is not only reading this book, but going to the website curiosity.com, excuse me, culturosity.com, culturosity.com, C-U-L-T-U-R-O-S-I-T-Y.com. And also, Riley Nadler and I will be bringing some of this to you in our work called Excel, X-C-E-L, which is a new uh, excellence program for coaching and leadership. So thanks for listening. Riley, any last words? No, this has been great. So thank you, Kate, and and thanks to our listeners. Thank you both. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.